It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. It is episode number 70. Seven zero, baby. Seven zero. Yes, Confessions sir. of a Serial Salesman, the podcast, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders. Here from the beautiful ESPN West Palm Studios, right by Steve, the beautiful Intracoastal. It would in be West the Palm hot oh. ESPN Studios. So, <laughs> full disclosure, so we do these shows from West Palm Beach, and the heat index every day for the last two weeks at the time of this recording has been 107, 108, warnings. 109. There have been warnings. It's been insane, which but, is so rare down But then here. we get a, our friend Jim Bennett, who's here. From Albany, who is soaking it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, this weather is so spectacular. I haven't seen sun, I swear, since December. Isn't that incredible? Jim says, sweaty, no problem. It's I'm all like, good. are you kidding me? <laughs> so all of us that are bitching, he's like, you kidding yeah. me? We got 10 days of yeah. sun. Yeah, it's all, you know what? It's perspective. It's all, oh, what a great topic. Absolutely. Unbelievable. I have a feeling we'll get into perspective as yes, we get on we through the next yes, half hour. This is episode number 70, like I said. It's the Art Donovan episode. Art and Donovan. Art Donovan. So at least we're getting to some some Hall of Famers now we'll in the NFL. put some linemen in, the, in yeah. the game, right? We just need to get out of the offensive lineman realm, though, and finally get into <laughs> 66, 67, yeah. 68. Once yeah. we get to the 80s, we'll be better with wide receivers and things along <laughs> those lines. But uh, you already brought him in, uh, but uh, but Steve, why don't you introduce us to our guest for this edition? So I'm, I'm so excited about today. L- lots of different reasons, but... Um, you know, the business that I'm in, I get to meet awesome people. Uh, Jim and I met probably almost two years ago. Yeah. And um, he pr- he is responsible for teaching me something, which in general, there's not many that I can glean that from. He did, and I'll get into that later. But he's an awesome entrepreneur, awesome family man, um, and he's moving to our town. So I'm, I'm super excited to have him here, and he's going to share all of his thoughts about what he's done, how he's done it, and trust me, how he's done it is so special, relates to a lot of what you do with uh, sports figures, my son, you know, the same, this discipline and this. So uh, welcome to the show, Jim Bennett, uh, serial entrepreneur, um, serial investor, and uh, soon-to-be new South Florida resident. You betcha, Steve. Listen, I am so thrilled to be here, Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is my passion. Um, you know, family is my rock, but being an entrepreneur is my wow. fashion. Since I've been a small child, I've owned businesses. Um, you know, I strung tennis rackets for Cornell University. I cut 30 lawns a week. Um, my father had a bunch of rental properties that uh, I did nothing but paint and clean and uh, do everything under the sun for, uh, and when I got out of college, it was, oh my God, now what do I do? Well, uh, of course I have to go into business for myself. And, uh, it's been a spectacular ride. Um, and the only place, the only time that I ever learned, truly learned was when I failed. 
which is hard for people to get their arms around, but all of us that have experienced what would be considered tragic failure, that's where the biggest lessons are. It is so true. So from day one, um, the second company that I owned, uh, I was in business with a guy, and we were in business probably six months, and we had this thing crank, and it was my idea. He came in. I wanted a partner. Um, we just jacked this thing. And in six months we were making money and we were rolling and I show up to work one day and, uh, uh, he wasn't there and he wasn't, <laughs> and he wasn't there Whoops. Yeah, for a week. And you know, I called him on the phone. I said, uh, what's going on? And he said, well, you got it covered. Uh, he said, just send me my check. Wow. And, wow. uh, so I, I, I said, listen, you know what? You are a spectacular guy, and I love you. But I got this into this to be a, a, a partnership, so you know we got to come to an agreement. And he didn't want to, so I said, "Listen, um, by Thursday of this week, we're going to come to an agreement, or I'm going to dissolve the company because I'm not um, doing this. <laughs> I am not doing this. I am in this to be a winner, and uh, you know I'm not in this." to uh, do somebody else's work. So um, I, I haven't mentioned any of the companies. I would leave that to you. Yep. What you've done, what you're, you know, the company we worked on together, which was fantastic. Sure. You know, share that, and then I will share the lesson I learned, which was a, not a pretty scene. We've talked about it a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, no, but no, it was fantastic. You know what? You know what? It, it, it was a learning uh, experience for both of us. Totally. Um, so... I started inside of the Worldwide Express franchise system, transportation and logistics, uh, in 1997. And I opened up my office, and literally that day, the franchisor, David Kiger's uh, lights were being turned off in his apartment. And, you know, he and I met at the perfect time. Um, I had 100 grand to my name wife three kids and she was pregnant and i said i have this is it i have looked i have strategized i have built a business plan this will work or nothing else all or nothing i love that and i I jumped right in i made a deal with him i gave him 50 grand for the territory he floated me. which was which territory up north uh, Uh, up in boston he floated me a hundred grand uh in a note that he kind of let me pay off over time um i got up every monday morning and i drove to boston at at 4 a.m from albany from Albany. Wow. Oh, well, okay. well, you got to understand. So at 4 a.m., wow. uh, you know, I land in Boston at 7. Um, then I run my day till about 7. Then everybody leaves. And then I had a futon in my office that I slept in. So every morning I got up and I went to the YMCA and I showered like a good boy <laughs> and got all clean and pretty Everybody for everyone. Was happy you did that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're creating and culture, that's a good culture. To you know what? Out. And, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew what I was doing. Um, even the landlord came to me and said, listen, I've never seen anybody like you. Um, uh, but I'm going to let this happen. I'm going to, I'm going to let it slide. And, uh, I did that for about 
two and a half years. What? Wow. And uh, that was, let me tell you. I didn't know this story. This well, is new to me. Th- this is, it's this is make it. or break. This is it. it. This yeah. is it. You know, you, you either, your family goes to live with your mother-in-law. Wow. Or you become successful. Oh, so Jim, I think people listening hear this story and uh, like we're wowed by it here. And it's an incredible display of dedication and eventual business acumen. But some people might be wondering why put so much pressure on yourself? Why was this an all or nothing? Why at that point in your life, did you decide that, Hey, this is it. This is going to work. This is going to succeed. And I'm going to ensure that this takes place. Well, you know what? I, I, I can't, I couldn't see myself working in a corporate environment. Huh. Um, yeah. I, I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I do. It's part of literally my DNA. Um, and it was taught to me by my father. You know, my father was a college professor, but in order to give us a much better lifestyle, he had businesses. He had a printing company that ran full-time where I worked all of the time. He had an imaging company. He had all these rental properties. So growing up, you know, I saw my father. He would come home from working at uh, Ithaca College, and all of a sudden he was doing quotes. And, you know, I'm like, you know, from minute one in my life, uh, I was, he was my hero, and I saw what he did and I fell in love with it. Uh, I fell Which it's in not love. for everybody, right? So, oh, so clearly not for everybody. <laughs> uh-uh. So when you talked about opening up, you said my passion is for being an entrepreneur. You yeah. either are or you are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to love failure. Yeah, it's crazy. To be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. because, so in Worldwide Express, you know, I get my first territory, get it up, you know, a couple years uh, we start to make a little money. Everything's great. Uh, the franchisor wants me to buy out a franchisee in Phoenix, Arizona. I ended up buying him out. And then I got into the whole, okay, now I'm going to expand. Now I got to learn how to build teams. And, you know, I was, uh, I, I happened to love reading. I read a lot of business books and I, I had just gotten done reading Jim Collins' good good to great where he talks about it's the the people first get the wrong people off the bus the right people on the bus and the right people in the right spots and for me that was huge so i sat down and i i did a little study and i took everybody that had come into the company everybody who had left i looked at their personal traits and i realized all of a sudden oh my god athletes are crushing Mm -hmm. it in my business. (laughs) Absolutely crushing it. Which is why I knew you'd love this. Uh Why am I hiring anybody else? And it was a hard concept to get everyone else to, to jump on board with because my whole company, my philosophy was we only build from the ground up. So anybody who's a sales manager was a sales rep and anybody who was a sales rep started brand new out of college or second job out of college because we wanted them fresh. We wanted to teach them our way. Mold them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you hit on something that 
a lot of companies don't do or what they do, they don't do well, and that's teach them. You know, I've met this sales team. I know who they are. They're breathing fire. You yeah. Know? Okay, so they once- were so competitive and so like team. You know, it was amazing. That's right. why I said, what's so, going on here? Yeah. So we got, um, once we figured out the who, then we figured out, okay, we're not a logistics company. We're not a transportation company. We're a sales training and development company. Wow. So the number one thing when a kid sits down for an interview with me is I tell them, I'm gonna, the number one thing I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you the ability to sell at the highest level to only presidents, owners, and CFOs. Hmm. Which is so, a life-changing event. And, <laughs> and they don't know the difference because 99% of the people sell to the office manager or the purchasing agent, and those deals get blown up all of the time because they're not selling at the top. I developed a sales training methodology where you sell at the top because when deals get sold at the top and something goes wrong, nobody says anything. Well, right. There's nobody, you know, they're not blaming anybody underneath. They're not <laughs> blaming the president for changing hello, companies. Hello. But let me ask you, uh, again, it's uh, Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Jim Bennett, serial entrepreneur, investor, uh, who is uh, going to pick up his life and head down to South Florida here soon uh, from where he is right now in Albany, New York. When it comes to creating a culture and it comes to like you developed your what you're looking for in someone who is going to sell someone who is going to fit that personality trait or traits that you're looking for how long did it take you to develop that because as steve was saying being an entrepreneur you either are or you are there's no middle ground you're not going to succeed in the middle ground where do you how did you come up with the culture and what you were looking for okay so you got to understand i was in this business for 20 years before i had a very significant exit and the reason I had a very significant exit was because I built a spectacular culture over time and the culture was built upon the who. Everybody's an athlete inside of the company. Sales reps, sales managers, everybody is an athlete. Director of sales, VP of sales, head of account management, all of our account managers, everybody's an athlete hmm. so we have this culture of athletes and what do athletes love to do love it I'm compete <laughs> yep. yep so we ran contest after con i spent countless nights going back and forth over what contest to run next <laughs> it was the thing that i had to be most creative with because it's learning how to turn on the competitive juices of an athlete and get them rolling. So when I tell you, I had one contest that was the best of all time. So at the time we were probably 16 at sitting at 65 reps, 15 account managers and, uh, 13 or 14 sales managers. So what we did is in each category, we matched up the number one rep with the number two rep. The number three with the number four. Oh my and God. all the wow. way down. So then at the annual conference, you know, the payout 
was $1,500 per person. And it was the most exciting, <laughs> intense thing because I was standing <laughs> up there and I'm calling people out. The winner is, oh, excuse me, the loser <laughs> is. And you can't imagine, nobody wants, yeah. it is devastating to be the loser. These kids kill themselves because, A, they're being called out on stage and they want to be the winner. So it turns so out. So you can't really teach that, you which is what's so special about athletes. The I have worked with the team. They look the part. They all took care of their bodies, so they were all men and male and female were all really good looking. The competitive part the work certainly is great, yeah. but you know what? Teamwork, yep. camaraderie, sure. discipline. You know, you start naming all the things that make the greatest athletes. And I use all the sports analogies when I talk about sales training and sports training. It's exactly the same thing. Okay, so what what do football players have? For every position, you've got a playbook, right? Mm-hmm. Every position. Well, guess what? Inside this of is our how company, we do it, right? Inside of our company, every position has a playbook. Every I'm talking oh, about receptionist. Oh, 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 I know. I'm talking about receptionist has a playbook. Yeah. Was- everybody has a playbook. So everybody knows what they're do what they're supposed to do, how what they're supposed to say in any interaction with a customer. So then it becomes up to us to train these people. So we train, we train, we train, we train, we train. Here's what we do. We bring them in for the first two weeks of their career. It's spent in the classroom learning, learning, learning. Then they go out in the field and they spend a minimum of two weeks or two days a week for the first six months all day long with a sales manager. Okay. Then they're after who, six who has months. Already gone through that same. Oh, he, he's he's <laughs> listen. He's re, they, they know this stuff inside and out. So then after six months, you're back in the classroom. Spend another week to ten days. After another six months, you're back in the classroom. Spend another ten days. It works like con- when you train people. Every single day when they come back from the field, they do a wrap up. And then we do role plays. Yep. And the role plays are the most intense part of the day. At the end of every day. Well, at the beginning and the end of every day. And here's why. When you're in front of a customer, customer doesn't know when you say something wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the office and you're sitting around a table with a sales manager and seven other reps, <laughs> and you're doing role plays, and it's going and going and going, and all of a sudden you get blown up because they know yep. when you didn't They picked you apart. Right. Yeah. They picked you apart. Yeah. So You're not going to do that again often, right? Yeah. It's I like mean, film study. It's like film study in the, in, in the football locker room. Right, they call exactly, them out. Yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why you know we were a sales training and development company for athletes that is fascinating and, and you know the the reality is that's what all companies should be first because the product price or service 
comes second. It's so secondary. So it, secondary that they don't get that. The, the situation I had with Jim was I spoke at an event in Cleveland. Some of his people were there. It was a customer service. They really were attracted to my message. They connected us. We had an unbelievable phone call. And on the spot, he hires me to speak at their mm-hmm. end of year event. I did no homework. I knew nothing about the company, <laughs> nothing about him. And I, he's laughing now because here I get hired as fast as anybody I've gotten hired from, which is how entrepreneurs work, by the way. <laughs> he got a good feeling, whatever. I started sending him some stuff and I sent him a clip of somebody that was calling out people who cold call. Now, their entire culture was teaching these young kids who have no network to go out and build a network. Yep. This is how you do it. You got to go knock on doors. You got to do this. You got to make X amount of calls. We start on one side of the street and we hit every door and still on do that it. side of the and street. So, and then we go across the street. So I, I don't know anything about the company. I send him this stuff to look at thinking I'm the hero and I get copied on an email that he sends to his people like, how could we hire a guy that's talking negative about cold call? I see it. I totally shit my pants. Seriously. But I was going 80 miles an hour on the mass turnpike, and I didn't realize you were copied on the email. And here's the best part, because I called him up. I said, hey, can we speak? And he asked me one question. He goes, what do you know about my company? And I was honest. I said, Jim, I got to tell you, nothing which to me is the biggest sin of being in sales at all. So, yeah. so I learned, like, just because I got hired doesn't mean my job is over. Right. I still needed to learn. And so we got through that. We had an unbelievable event. I worked with them for a while. And so I've been, I think I'm fortunate to have been part of that culture because you're never too good for training. And when, when after the phone call, he says, I'm going to send you the training manuals. And Shay will tell you, the training manuals came via email, and I printed them, and they were each very robust for every level of the company. So it wasn't just like a little pamphlet, and this was like better than I've seen from IBM, which was no... We we tell you what to do when you show up at 7.45 a.m., and we tell you what you're supposed to do every second of the day. It's all right there in front of you. And I tell kids, listen, when you come to work for me, you're coming here to be successful. I'm going to teach you how to be successful. I'm going to give you the skill. All I need you to give me is the will. Mm -hmm. If you give me the will, if you want to be successful, if you will come to work and not mail it in, there's a difference between coming to work and coming to work. Absolutely. And listen. If you come to work and put in the time, effort, and energy, I guarantee your success. Guarantee it. Because my business, we 21 years, you hone it down. And that's what we worked on over 21 years was honing it down to the absolute best practices that worked. And then we put it in manuals, and then it's mandatory wherever we go. I'll tell you a quick little story. So I jump out to my one of my L.A. offices, and uh, the kid who's a sales manager is a superstar. He's literally, the guy's a rock star, super athlete in college. And I sit down, and I'm kind of wondering why his reps aren't more successful because 
he was one of our all-time billing reps. And I said, okay, just show me your cold call. So he was, he was skipping everything. Mm. But his sales, his sales in the office were off the charts. They were not killing people. But his sales reps were terrible. They had no process. They had no process. Because he wasn't, he wasn't properly passing down the... Exactly. Just because you could do it doesn't mean you can teach other people to do it. I right. said, kid, listen. <laughs> I, I, listen, I appreciate the fact that you are rocking it in sales, but it's my business and it's my way, and you have to do wow. this. And Which is a really tough discipline as an entrepreneur. Sometimes you just say, okay, he's an outlier. We're going to let him live on an island because like yeah. me, when I was growing my business, revenue counted first. Yeah. You put numbers up. It was like, I don't really care how you do it. Right. That's not how you scale. But you care so, about the so, process. So what I said to him was, dude, I, I've got a position for you. As a senior sales rep, you can run around the country but and you sell anything. <laughs> but unless you do it my way, you can't be a sales manager. Sure. Wow. Sure. That's awesome. Uh, and I think you see that, like you were saying, Steve, the parallels between that and how professional franchises and college programs are run, it's very, very similar. And we've had a lot of people on this podcast, CEOs, COOs, presidents, vice presidents, people that have just started a business or just out of business. And I've learned something from everyone, but something that, that uh, you said, Jim, that I wrote down was to be an entrepreneur, you have to love to fail. And uh, I feel like that could have several different definitions. <laughs> could you expand on that? Listen, I, I, I will. So, um, Worldwide Express, well, first of all, I failed several in several other businesses, Okay. Um, the one right before worldwide express absolutely lost every dime I had. Um, and you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, that's just the way you think, you know, you're all in on everything. Um, but inside of worldwide express, we had several moments, um, where one time our, our major supplier was airborne express. And we were waking up every day to see, check the New York Stock Exchange to see if they were still in business. Hmm. Um, that hmm. was a rough period Boy. because it was. You want to know what keeps you up at night? Well, here I am sleeping in, in my office under a cot and I'm checking to see if my supplier is still in business. Oof. So that was one. Number two was when DHL bought Airborne Express and they got into it and they did some hub integration and we were just we we probably lost 50 percent of our customers in a period of a couple months because of it then in 2008 the major financial crisis hits the united states this november 10th uh dhl calls us up and says we're giving you 30 days to get all of your <laughs> customers packages out of our system Find a new supplier or we're shutting them off. Oh, my God. So the franchisor negotiates a, a deal with UPS. but And at the time, I was at about $45 million in business. And we went down to about, in 30 days, 
$8 million. Yeah, that usually is a death blow. People can't. People don't get off the ground. That's the Mike Tyson. I get punched in the face. Yep. What's your plan now? <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and it was. It, it, it was a death blow, but uh, I turned to my wife and I, she said, she has been my rock throughout my life. She said, I, whatever you want to do, I'm all in on you. I believe in you. I mean, that's so Woo! good because that's not the case all the time. Never yeah. is. Oh. It never is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. My wife is, is truly something special. Um, she's believed in me, and she has been the person that has really encouraged me to be me and not go off and do things that aren't me. And so we had that hit, and I decided to stay in, and I gave it everything. Now, uh, my anxiety came out in the fact that I gained about 80 pounds. Sure, sure. Um, and You were 80 pounds heavier than now? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't I, know you that way. So. I, I, I was 80 pounds. Well, I was eating and drinking a lot because <laughs> yeah. I was trying to yeah, get rid of all that stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I was doing a lot of traveling and... You know, it, it was hard, hard on the body. But people but, only see the success. They oh, don't see let me tell you. the travel. Yeah, they sure. don't see the work. They yeah. don't. Uh, yeah. I, I, we have a short time before we're done. Yep. I want to make sure that we focus on one last point. When you opened up, you said your family's your rock. Yep. Your, your wife and, and your kids. And in getting to know Jim, the story of his kids is so special. If you could touch on it just a little bit about who you are, how you built your family, and, and what success they've had, which is, you know, Michelle and I were like overwhelmed. Yeah. Because it really well, well, is. First, first of all, um, I've got a wife who's a great person. So she has such a big giving heart. Um, you know, I knew right away that, that she was it. Uh, we met in February, engaged in September, married in June. Um, you know, it was it was quick. I knew it. She wanted a big family. I wanted a big family. And we, when we started to have kids, we lived in the city of Albany. And I said, listen, I want my kids playing youth sports with inner city kids because I don't want my kids living out in suburbs, not knowing who America is and not playing with America. And not getting Bravo. a medal for losing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not, not getting a trophy for playing soccer. <laughs> And you're the last kid on the team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're going to get a sense of how life really is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So my kids are big hoopers. So all of a sudden they're playing on teams where they're the only white kid. Mm -hmm. And they realize that they got to bring it so hard every day just to get off the bench to get any playing time. And it built character. But more important, it built friends Every one of my kids' friends, best friends, is a person of color. And this really changed the dynamic in our house. So uh, most people probably know of a kid by the name of Taylor Battle, um, who I now call my son and has been my son since he's been eight years old. Uh, he is a spectacular human being Set every record at Penn State mm -hmm. <laughs> every record at Penn State um, he, and when I tell you that's not who he is who he is is a beautiful human being
uh, I met this kid and this kid wanted to learn from me and it was just an, he taught me more about life than I'll ever know about anything else. Uh, his gratitude, his, you've never met a more humble person in your life for everything that he has accomplished. Uh, and then we took his brother in, uh, boo and boo is just went off to Northwestern to be the point guard of <laughs> Northwestern Wildcats. He Amazing. is a, uh, he is another kid who is just tremendous. Um, they are tremendous children and what they've given us in our lifetime. Um, can't be replaced. My son, Ian, my biological son, Ian has a best friend, um, Darian, who is another kid with just magnificent, magnificent. Is that who uh, I saw the highlight of? Is that? No, that's another another one, bro. And my youngest son, Will, his best friend, Hamir Wright, who is a forward for Washington and going into his junior year um, is is one of the best human beings on the planet. Incredible. So humble, incredible, um, and just uh, you watch him. He's six nine with a seven three wingspan, and the best the best part of him is his personality, his humbleness. It's who he is. And he looks out for, for my son, Will, and my son, Will, looks out for him. They are brothers like you can't believe. Um, I mean, it's an amazing story that I did not know about you. And then as we started peeling back the onion, learning about you, you deserve every piece of success that you've experienced because you got it figured out, brother. <laughs> you know, it's I meet with lots of people who have lots of money who just – just didn't figure it out. They're not happy. They have families that are, are shambles. And you mentioned the words, the building blocks, gratitude, you know, you know, the family as the rock. Those are the centerpieces of success, regardless of money. M- money does not buy that. You oh, know? you believe me. Um, it doesn't even touch it. You know, the best moments of my life are all with my family. The best moments of my life are not buying a car, buying a house. The best moments of my life are when I've got all these kids around me and we're together. And listen, I've got an extended family with my wife. We have 35 people every Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> Soon for, be 37. For dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the invites in the mail well, let me let me tell you one year we had two people show up and my wife looked to me and i said i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. they they knew me they had met me and i had so invited them over thanksgiving crashers yeah that's that is phenomenal no but i i had invited them like i didn't quite place them but then i eventually did and i, and I invited the them you have seriously you're you know it's I, i'm overwhelmed the more I get to know you and I'm I'm happy because I think the people that are listening to this know that there's a roadmap where you can be a good guy you can concentrate on your family you do not have to give up all of those things to get success I didn't learn that early on I gave it all up to get that's all I focused on was to get right. 
And I think a lot of people in my place share that sentiment. It was that at all costs, I wanted the prize. Right. That's not the prize. <laughs> I got there and that's not the prize. Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you, that's what happens when you get old, older. We're not old yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize, you know, you, you, you realize yeah. that, and man. It's, sometimes it's too late. Oh, you, I know. You've already given it up. You've already right. done it. Yeah. I'm blessed that I have a great family and I have a great woman in my life, the first lady who's here. Miss Michelle, she is. Um, she's an awesome lady. I have great kids. She has, you know, we're experiencing that now. And the more we focus on that, the better our lives get yeah. while the rest of the stuff takes itself. So you've done that not only for your family, but your commitment to take athletes. And just so that we're clear, they're usually junior college or uh, division three. Listen, or, love division three. Yeah, you know, Those guys aren't getting on. any money. They're not mm-hmm. going to play pro ball. <laughs> They get up at four o'clock in the morning. You know they're, they're on doing grind. this. Yeah, you know, grind it. So they are right. such grinders. Yeah, and they come into our company, and it's this is, this is. Let me tell you, it's easy for them. I mean, we've <laughs> sure. got we've they've got, already done it. They've already <laughs> done it. We've got we've got a girl <laughs> up in Albany, or excuse me, out in a Boston office. My son's company. She's number one sales rep in his company. She's a swimmer. She's a rock star. Because it's what she knows. She knows it. She's so competitive. And she's not getting in the game to be third. (laughs) And she wants to beat every boy out there. There's that chip on her shoulder. And and since her formative years, she's as a swimmer, gotten up at 3 a.m. every single day for her life. So she's ready to get up and work and get going. And she kills it. Incredible. Spectacular. Yeah, yeah, Jim, this was unbelievable. Fascinating. It was inspirational. It was educational. Jim Bennett, serial entrepreneur and investor. 70 was a uh, episode, Steve. This one's a doozy. I told you. It's, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad you led the ship. I'm in this new seat, and I'm not sure I'm going to give it back to Josh. It's the power seat. I'm taking it over. You know what? Who needs Josh going? <laughs> well, as uh, everybody who listens to the podcast knows, we don't want to ask how you're doing. Uh, we ask you to tell us something good. So, Steve Nudelberg, let's tell us something good here. Listen, on the heels of what we just heard, um, I-, I am super blessed to have this gentleman as my friend. Thank you. I can't wait for him to be here and to share more experiences together. So uh, the reason why I do what I do is always about the people. And this is the best validation of that. So if that's not good, I don't know what good is. Jim Bennett, thank you so much. I don't want to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Bennett, great, great, great job. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you. Steve Nodelberg, should we do this for number 71? We'll keep doing it, Kenny. You know what? You do a great job, my friend. Thank you. you. Hey, you're the one in the power chair. You're in the power seat right now, so I'm just I'm just trying to get on your good and side. And now we're going to go this. show this gentleman uh, how to live in Palm Beach. Uh, yeah, there yeah, we absolutely. go. For Jim Bennett and Steve Nodelberg, I'm Ken Levicka. This has been Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Talk to you next time.